0: There was no moment in which I was terrified. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's like your dream come true, so terror probably has nothing to do with it.
0: (laughs) You're, like, (laughs) more terrified to drive to New Brunswick to play a concert than you are to, like, flip a cop car upside down and torch it. (laughs) I want to make clear for anyone listening (laughs) that I partook in exactly zero illegal activity. I was exercising my First Amendment right to protest. (laughs) What the police did in response to us exercising that right was less than desirable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. And I am just going to go by Dan for the near future. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's
1: fair. (laughs) I am the only identifiable Dan. (laughs) It's just me. It's just my podcast and my silly (laughs) one-named co-host. And uh, today we're going to have ourselves a little Zemeckathon. (laughs) I'm
0: going to start going by my Hebrew name. (laughs)
1: Uh, We have the worst Hebrew name because it it involves almost no change whatsoever Yeah, it
0: involves making our name the uh, American equivalent of the female version of our name Yeah, it's pretty much your Danielle That that, that always went very well for me as a child
1: Oh yeah, it's Danielle.
0: Yeah, I got got bullied no times for that Um, So, uh,
1: why were were you telling people your Hebrew name though? This is you getting bullied at Hebrew school (laughs) Yeah yeah, you got bullied in Hebrew school. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean it was still I don't know. kids I don't where we go why
1: that's so funny. where we go
0: around the room. <laughs> and people such a are like, What's your, What's your name, Shmuel? What's your name, uh, Moishta What's yours, Danielle? Like, it, goes, <laughs> it goes poorly no matter the demographic. It's a matter they, of Everyone knows that I got the short end of the stick there.
1: Um, <clears throat> so Dan, um, today uh, we're going to do a gaggle of things, which I'm sure you're elated about. Um, yeah. Uh, the first of which is talk about and review the 19. Ninety-two film *Death Becomes Her* from director Robert Zemeckis. Um, I have been kind of, uh, you know, sh- what's the what's the word? I was gonna say shoplifting. I've been workshopping um, some ideas for like if if the Stephen King thing is e-spectacular, what would this be? Um, I've settled on Zemeckathon. Um, <laughs> I was looking into Zemeckapalooza, <laughs> Zemeckis I, Fest I,
0: I prefer I prefer Zemeckapalooza. <laughs> Do you have any you'd like to contribute off the top of your head? Um,
1: Zemextravaganza. Zemextravaganza. That's a little better than Danstravaganza from the last episode.
0: <laughs> no, it isn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, not only are we going to talk about that film, but uh, we're going to talk about the whole um, Zemeckis universe um, and all of his films. Um as well as people who are related um, to and part of Death Becomes Her, because not only um, is Robert Zemeckis chief among the people that made this happen, but there are also other people uh, on the cast list and behind the scenes who are like 90s heroes. Um, the reason any of this has come up, as per kind of like The Last Dinosaur, is like, this was a movie that I had on VHS as a kid. Um, I actually got it from McDonald's. McDonald's used to have a thing where if you like bought a Certain amount of food They give you a VHS tape um,
0: I have so many VHS
1: tapes This and Adam's family Were some of the First VHS tapes I ever got um,
0: Was this supposed To be a kids movie
1: No No not okay. at all But I was allowed To watch what I, I was watching Things way worse Than either of the Movies we just mentioned uh, yeah. Younger than what I'm talking about But um Yeah I, uh, you know, yeah, really I like this movie. I saw my first snuff
0: film when I was four. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I killed a prostitute when I was seven. <laughs> pre-internet. Um, you know what it was like to get snuff films pre-internet?
1: <laughs> you had to, like, know a murderer who would mail it directly to your house, yeah. like, covered in blood.
0: Yeah. Um, my, my my uncle, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> just had it on the <laughs> Um, <laughs> is that his Hebrew name, Jeffariah? <laughs> yeah, we only, we only went, he, he preferred when I spoke my Hebrew name to him. <laughs> this is bad.
1: <laughs> this is a, this is a PG-13 start we're, we're having here. Um,
0: so, um. We're in the middle of a fucking class war, Dan. It's time to escalate the rhetoric. Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm trying to focus on movies. The world is like double fell, falling apart at this point. Literally. Um, we're in two li- times li- over at this literally, point.
0: Literally, the material conditions right now are such that there are only a small handful of things that could happen that could create a butterfly effect in which two months from now, movies are not no longer a thing or a part of our media. Like
1: people will not even have eyes. People's, people's eyes will be forcibly removed. Or does every feature. movie
0: studio will be reduced to a heap of rubble?
1: Well, until that happens, we're going to try to enjoy them as much as humanly possible. Um, that's why this week I decided to revisit uh, a film from my childhood and watch "Death Becomes Her" again. Did yes. I think it was overrated? In
0: question was the American infrastructure.
1: <laughs> um, did I? Uh, am I going to be able to keep this episode on the rails? I'm not really sure. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but uh, we're going to make an attempt to. Do do a bunch of things. Um, it's gonna I, I, feel start. Like,
0: I feel like it's the beginning of Apocalypse now and there's just like the ceiling fan above me right now and it's just like this is the end. <laughs> 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 You're talking about movies And I'm like movies <laughs> <laughs> Flashing lights <laughs> um,
1: Look the longer you want to talk about death and the impending apocalypse Is the longer the episode is going to take for you to record it So you know it's up to you Dan
0: <laughs> Yeah alright can we wrap this up already right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh we have so much I have not even begun um, okay. So uh, we're going to start out with uh, our imp- Opinions and impressions Upon this rewatch Dan have you already seen this movie I think you had told me that you had already seen this movie Is that true or no no, I had never heard of this movie. You had never heard or seen this movie? Oh, wow. Correct. Okay. I thought I'd asked you at one point and you had said you saw it when you were a kid or something.
0: Okay, wow. I, um, I, I, so I went back and read it and, like, read the plot line, and I've ultimately determined that it was one of those things, like, do you remember in the early through the mid 90s? Um, there used to be the channel, the WV, with that racist frog. Yes. Um, and during the daytime, if you were homesick from school, well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, 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 a fu- there's, a, there's a Chappelle joke about that where I, I'm gonna not use the tagline because I don't have cultural permission (laughs) to use it's punchline. But either way, they would play movies in the middle of the day where you'd get, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit or, like, the Mario Brothers movie. And this was in that rotation, so I know that I had seen sections of it, but I was was, at, like, age five. Like, I I have no context. Like, I would just put on movies that were visually striking but had no idea what was going on in them.
1: All right, well, that's one compliment you've already given it, at least. Um, (laughs) um, So, uh, you know, Dan and I... um, Actually did a pretty good uh, job Not breaking our movie moratorium Which is where we really try to not talk to each other About what we think about a movie About our impressions about it Until right here, right now So I've been kind of like uh, waiting with bated breath here Because Dan has been very cryptic In his response to watching (laughs) Death Becomes Her Um, and uh Yeah, I'm gonna let you lead off I guess, Dan Um, do you want to give some General impressions of the movie, or
0: Yeah, um I'm surprised it's not a movie that comes up more often. It it, it feels like, especially having gone back and reading about it after watching it, as one does, that it was a more significant, like, cultural event at the time than, like, I feel is reflected by the fact that I'm 30 years old and have barely heard of it. Interesting. Um, I... I feel like movies in the super early 90s have, like, talking like 1990, 1991, 92, have this this look about them that's just so bizarre and interesting to me, like, movies were so close to taking the next step in overall baseline quality, mm-hmm. um, but they still had all the same color palettes from, the, like, the late 80s mixed with just, like, these, like... Just desert browns and beiges that are just like a bummer. Hmm. It's like it's it's just so like it's like this. The first shot of this movie, I was like, oh, I'm watching The Mask. This looks like The Mask. So you're saying you didn't like the look of it? No, I loved the look. I I like. I I mean, I I love the look of it, but like it's also like it's kind of like this
1: Art Deco L A. nineties. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's in line with so many other films I've seen from that time period. Like it looks like The Mask. It like I had just was just I kept marking down things that it looks like. It's um,
1: yeah, I mean it's got a, like a, a soap opera y very lush um, look to just all the locations. I mean the the whole thing was shot in L. A. Um, it's,
0: it's it's got that like almost like the camera movements are like very reminiscent of like a noir feel. Mm-hmm. While but it's using that for like slapstick comedy almost. Right. Um, which I feel was just like a big thing in that, that couple-year span. And, like, I, I, I mean, I like it. I'm, black comedy is high up on my list of film genres to watch. Right. Um, and The Mask is a movie that I feel that I place in much higher regard than people. In, like, I feel most people are like, yeah, The Mask is awesome, but it comes from, like, a place of nostalgia, where it's like, I think The Mask is in, like, the top 20 films of all time. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, um, um, but like it's, it's, it's like it's like this movie was like the visual midway point between The Mask and Casper.
1: <laughs> that's an interesting uh,
0: that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. There, there, there were shots from shots where I was just like, oh, that's a Casper shot, like for sure. And it's just like I there there are aspects from that era that I wish kept around, like film methods that were like hip for a short period of time that like like just the, the opening shot with like it, it's that it's that like shot of a cityscape, but like it's not quite cartoony, but it's a little like the color palettes are made to be like more like dystopian painting like, like almost like you ever see like Tank Girl? Yes. Like everything has this hue of purple and green, like where you presented a real scenario, but, like, the background is just, like, weird and off enough that, like, it feels disconcerting. Right. Um, and I really enjoyed that.
1: Um, what What are your overall impressions? Or do you want to wait until we get a little further into it?
0: I mean, I, you want, like, just, like, my general... Like, you want me to just, like, what performances, everything, do you want my Golden Gun rating now? Jesus, like, buy me dinner first. Did you like the movie, Dan? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I like the movie. Cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I, good. I, No part of me disliked the movie. I didn't love the movie. Fair enough. Um, there, there are things that could have gone differently that I would say would have led to me loving the
1: movie. Well, let's get into the movie a little bit um, okay. I want to set people up, uh, I think with the trailer first And then I'm going to give a little blurb about what the movie is uh, about to a certain point point. And uh, for everybody else, here's the trailer Don't you
0: know that it's worth every treasure on earth To be young at heart Some people will go to any length to stay young forever Is that someone? It's Madeline Ashton she was a big star in the 60s. I thought she was dead. Oh,
1: madam. You look younger every day.
0: Thank you, Rose.
1: But Madeleine Ashton
0: and her old friend, Helen Sharp I've lost men to her before. Mad hell! are about to go <laughs> too far. A touch of magic. Drink that potion and you'll never grow even one day older. Bottoms up. a warning? Now a warning? Siempre viva! Live forever! <laughs> Ernest, I'm in the morgue. They think I'm dead! You are, but you're not! Are you telling me it doesn't hurt when I do this? <laughs> it doesn't hurt! She's dead! She's dead, Ernest. Now he's dead! He's dead? Oh, 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 Ernest oh, 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 is dead? Everybody's <laughs> dead! <gasps> Pushed me down the stairs. I'm so sweaty. I
1: don't think it's sweat, honey. I think you're defrosting. It's a
0: lie. Universal Pictures presents. Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis. It's a miracle. And Gordy Horn.
1: Look at me. I'm. So wet! Death becomes her.
0: I just have to make a telephone call.
1: Oh, man, what a trailer, Dan. Wow, blew me away. Real treat. I think that there's a certain point at which you should just experience this movie for yourself. Uh, the setup is totally fine to know because it's very comedic and bizarre, but I, I will say that if you want to go into this movie blind, um, I think that you absolutely should. Um, there are I twists. Did. I did. There are I, twists I for the first the plot. 20 minutes or so of this movie in terms of them playing with time, uh, them Playing with people being alive or dead um, There's a lot of back and forth And and interesting diversions Throughout um, So I think that it's best To kind of go in uh, clean So it, uh, not often Do I say this but if you are Listening to this as your first Movie Blues podcast episode And you've never seen this movie maybe take a step back And again watch Book of Henry um,
0: <laughs> From season yeah, one This is um, not going to be one of those classic Just absurdist episodes
1: no, this is, a, this is a chance for me to uh, say up front that um, I think this movie is a masterpiece. I think that everyone should watch it. Um, as we get into the things that make this movie so amazing, we're going to kind of branch out and talk about how they are kind of across the board for Robert Zemeckis films. Um Zemeckis often has, in his films, not only the blending of unbelievable advancements in technology, but he also is fascinated with giving movies this sense of energy and movement to the camera that is just sublime like he he keeps things moving all the time and is just one of those directors who when you watch one of his movies it's just like a joy to behold it's just the kind of a classic cinema feel to anything that he's made especially in the 80s and 90s that you cannot replicate and I don't think anybody would be capable of making again Um, so uh, yeah if you have not seen Death Becomes Her uh, wow What's wrong with you, dummy? Go see it. Um, <laughs> Rent it at your local
0: video stores. <laughs> now available at Suncoast Video.
1: Um, and God, uh, I miss
0: Suncoast video. yeah, me too. What yeah, a, a great story. The- Second dopest video store ever I always went
1: to the one at the Plymouth Meeting Mall It was fucking awesome um, There was
0: one on Route 9 in Old Bridge, New Jersey That was flames yeah. um,
1: So this movie guys, uh, to break it down um, It's basically um, just a movie to showcase many things uh, Special effects aside It's a movie to really showcase three actors uh, Bruce Willis um, the, the Bruno The, br- the
0: Bruno The um, uh, we're we're really showing our uh, this is like classic movie blues like <laughs> like like side episode where we've gotten too silly for a couple episodes in a row where we need to remind people that like we're actually knowledgeable about film but also like it's disconcerting because we're way younger than we should be just like casually dropping <laughs> Bruno references.
1: So um, uh, the other two actors uh, who are chief in this film are Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep and it is just like just to have a movie where those three actors can act kind of in such a rich melodrama atmosphere like yeah. bordering on soap opera bordering on completely absurd um to watch them play in that wheelhouse was really uh, delightful um and uh i want to shout out to bruce willis because i think that this might be one of the greatest Bruce Willis performances hands down. It is a complete lack of vanity and a complete lack of the false machismo that people like him and Vin Diesel just like have created to sleepwalk through all of their projects
0: Um, and
1: I think Bruce
0: Willis Um, Has someone not seen the whole 10 yards? (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) I'm just now realizing that Chandler's in both of those movies, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I those haven't movies seen in are years. why I am always defending Matthew Perry's comedic genius. Uh, I'm gonna have to rewatch. That would be a good one for this podcast, maybe. I have the I have this, the box set. It, the box set <laughs> of two movies. You have the yeah. duology. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
0: but there's a thir- there's a third disc with bonus features. Sick. Um, Delve I'm into just it. Just kidding. There's not. What it really is is a dual sided <laughs> single DVD. Um Yeah, I would love to watch those movies. I'm a massive, massive defender of those movies because there's a lot of really great Matthew Perry like big-eyed faces in that movie.
1: I'm a massive, massive defender of Amanda Amanda Peet's boobs. Yeah, here we (laughs) go.
0: Let's go. Um, um, So. Second time in this podcast that's come up.
1: The film is about um, in 1978, a, a narcissistic, manipulative actress, Madeline Ashton, who is played by Meryl Streep, performs in an awful musical. Uh, she invites her longtime friend, Helen Sharp, who is played by Goldie Hawn. Um, an aspiring writer uh, backstage along with Helen's fiance plastic surgeon Ernest Menville which is one of my favorite fictional names I've heard in the past like 10 years of my life probably Um, Ernest Menville uh, played by Bruce Willis is smitten with Madeline so he breaks off his engagement with Helen to marry her seven years later Helen is obese, depressed, and committed to a psychiatric hospital where she begins plotting revenge on Madeline alright so let's stop here like if someone hasn't seen this movie, I cannot imagine what you would feel at the point at which Goldie Hawn shows up in a fat suit, depressed yes. inside, committed inside of a psychiatric hospital, and is plotting revenge on Madeline. So that sets up a movie... And this is
0: an important moment, because yeah. this is when I texted you for the first time and to you inform said, like, you what the that the fuck? for the first the first scene of the movie where it's like... The bad play or the bad performance by Meryl Streep. Right. I was just like not feeling it at all, not engaged. Granted, I was like coming down from a manic episode. Sure. But I was like, I was like fine. Like, I, you know, I was, I was fuddling with my phone a little bit here and there. I was playing with the dog. Like, I was, I was was burning one and I uh, <laughs> okay Tupac yeah relax <laughs> and, <then>, uh, <laughs> and then it gets to that shot and I was like wait how did we end up here <laughs> and I was just looking it's another time p-
1: that you have to rewatch the first 15 minutes of a movie to, to truly
0: <laughs> understand what's happening Yes. Luckily, this time it was only like twelve minutes. Fair enough. So, but yeah. So yeah, I rewound it and I was like, "All right." There's clearly, I clearly misinterpreted what the vibe right. of this movie was going right. to be.
1: That's what I was hoping for. That you would be taken for quite a ride in the first half an hour or so. Yeah. I'm glad that did happen. Yeah. Um, it, and um, uh, you know, after we find out that she's fat and committed in this mental hospital, she begins plotting her revenge. So then, you know, at the average viewer would probably assume that okay. Okay, this is now going to be a movie about fat Goldie Hawn hunting her you know seeking revenge against Meryl Streep which in and of itself could have been you know any number of romantic stupid comedy type movies from any anything from the 90s to the early 2000s yeah um, but the fact that this movie keeps twisting itself and and keeps turning stranger and stranger yes um, and then you end up at a point where there's body horror there's insane stunts happening there's just like a cornucopia of really fucked up events and really insane special effects that from the first 20 minutes of the movie other than the fat suit you would assume you were getting into some kind of like Adam Sandler Jack and Jill romp where it's like yeah, watch right. Goldie Hawn wear a fat suit for two hours isn't it funny she was beautiful now yeah. she's fat it's like,
0: no they took the time to have like concept art and then someone to execute building that at that time period as essentially a passing plot point right it's 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 great
1: but this was you know years before things like The Nutty Professor where like the fat suit became like this huge thing and suddenly every comedy had to have a person in a fat suit shout out to that one Ryan Reynolds movie yeah. where he's fat which is hilarious actually what is that Just Friends Just Friends have you ever actually seen that movie
0: I, I have stumbled across it on cable, oh, watched like 10 minutes, found it violently offensive and turned it off.
1: I think I think for those very reasons it should be entered in the MBCU, but we'll, we'll talk about that at a
0: further juncture. Who, who, is, who is the woman in Just Friends? Is that Anna Faris? Anna
1: Faris, yeah. And I'm gonna tell you, it's a I think it's a really underrated movie in terms of how fucking fucked up it is and far out it goes. I haven't seen it in years, but I used to think it was pretty hilarious.
0: Um, <laughs> I just, uh, I suspect it might have a little fat shaman in
1: there Yeah, there there is But also at the same time, like, Ryan Reynolds Definitely sells it As best as best as his, he's ever sold anything um, besides, besides voices <laughs> Besides voices um, So, um From there, the movie uh, Kind of turns into A horror movie um, Which is a shocking twist of events When, um Uh, Madeline and Ernest, years later living in Beverly Hills, are miserable. Uh, Madeline's acting career is declining, and Ernest is an alcoholic, reduced to working as a reconstructive mortician. Receiving an invitation to a party celebrating Helen's new book, Madeline rushes to a spa, where she regularly receives facial treatments. Understanding Madeline's situation, the spa owner gives her the business card of Lisa Liesel von Rumen.
0: Mm-hmm. Or is that
1: a Roman? Liesl von Rumen, a mysterious, glamorous, wealthy socialite specializing in youth rejuvenation. Long story short, uh, we get a kind of elixir of life parable type story. Yes. Um, yes, Something you would see on like an Outer Limits episode or a Twilight yeah. Zone episode. Um, where or like a uh, cocoon. Or like a cocoon <laughs> episode. <laughs> Film. <laughs> Diabetes. Um... Um, (laughs) And uh, from here, the movie just turns into Kind of like a a gypsy voodoo uh, Body horror parable Where you have... Uh, both Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep dying in horrible ways, yet coming back to life one after another while still seeking revenge on each other and passing, uh, Ernest Memville around like a blunt for the rest of the movie. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the real standout as things kind of take a darker turn for me, um, were the special effects. Um, when Meryl Streep falls down the fucking stairs for the first time, um, This is a PG 13 movie, but there would no way fly anymore
0: these days. It's grotesque.
1: She breaks her neck and her head spins all the way around, and (laughs) her neck literally crunches like an accordion. Like, imagine Meryl Streep falling down like a 35 foot marble staircase, um, and she's just twisted up like a pretzel.
0: um, And it's with with every step getting progressively. More contorted
1: um, And and you know w- What's incredible about this movie is While it received pretty bad reviews And made very little money Compared to its budget um, It did win the Oscar For best visual effects um, Which is You know something that Robert Zemeckis especially Has kind of done a few times He's won the visual effects Oscar For three films Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump Um, and this film, um, which, you know, those films, I don't think one best picture, maybe Forrest Gump did, but, um, his visual effects are kind of always on the cutting edge. Um, this movie was made with ILM, um, and the digital advancements pioneered on the film would eventually be incorporated into ILM's next project, Jurassic Park, um, which was released by Universal only a year later. A lot of the stuff that they did here, um was kind of being run at the same time as them doing Jurassic Park, which I think is pretty fucking wild. Um, Another relation that this movie has to Jurassic Park uh, is that the filmmaker, Robert Zemeckis, would always say, hold on to your butts while he was on set. That was like his number one phrase. And David Kep, who wrote the screenplay to this film, was writing Jurassic Park um, and oh, added wow. that in as Samuel L. Jackson Jackson's catchphrase um, So this movie created Jurassic Park So you're welcome Which eventually boosted the career of Colin Trevorrow Which eventually <laughs> he made Right after a movie called Book of Henry Which everyone should check out <laughs> Thus making it so that Everything we ever talk about will lead back
0: I've had ideas for um For When we're looking for like Side piece type Filler episodes I mean Episodes of equal quality Of varying topic <laughs> Um The uh That where we just play Like movie games Of just like Degrees of separation Cause I feel like We could have some fucking Wily ones Six degrees of Henry Like six degrees of Colin Trevorrow Like A dude who's made Like Three movies <laughs> Like It's enough Um
1: So Uh Um, Basically the movie then Kind of turns into this like Extremely twisted back and forth With both women going after each other Killing each other, becoming friends Going through their life Which leads to the end of the film Which is like 15 years later
0: Uh, 37 years later
1: 37 years later And the final scene of the film uh, Where you have two immortal Vain obsessed actresses From LA who are now corpses
0: Falling down a staircase, uh, very poetic. Yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, it's like a very monkey paw situation. Um,
1: and yeah, I mean, uh, just can't recommend this movie enough. It made me just like laugh, uh, very genuine laughs. So I thought the humor was the perfect mix of satire um, and. Just commenting endlessly on itself and about the culture of actresses, the culture of L.A. Um, just was a hilarious movie that I just really enjoyed so much. Um, uh, at one point, Bruce Willis uh, and uh, Meryl Streep are arguing with each other in the backyard, and he's like, "Madeline, shut up! The neighbors are here. the neighbors will hear." And she goes, "Neighbors? In twelve years of living in L.A., have you ever yeah. seen a neighbor?" <laughs> Yeah,
0: get it because they're but, rich. Um, yeah, no, there's some, there's some one-liners, there's some little moments of uh, of just gags that are, just, just inherently comical. Like, there's, <laughs> there's one that he's having, uh, Bruce Willis is having an argument with Meryl Streep, a real heated argument after she's already dead, or no, right before he killed tries to kill her uh-huh. where she is just like emphasizing the word flaccid in everything <laughs> that she says to him. Like and even when it doesn't have to do with his flaccidity will like say something and then like pause and then be like like she'll be like, and you're incompetent. And flaccid, like just <laughs> add it to everything. But um there's one very like 80s-esque visual gag where uh when they bring Meryl Streep to the doctor And it becomes revealed that her head is completely Backwards Um, This is like Dan This is one of the greatest
1: scenes I'm gonna say in a comedy ever It's Um, First (laughs) of all The doctor that is, is seeing her Do you know who that is? It was like bootleg Elliot Gould. It was Sidney Lumet.
0: Yes, yes, it was um, Sidney. Bootleg it, <laughs> Elliot
1: Gould, yeah, which like
0: surely Elliot Gould is the bootleg yeah, Sidney no. Lumet, but also at the same time, I thought, I thought perfect, perfect I thought observation. He pronounces it Sidney Lumet. Lumet, yeah.
1: Lumet, Lumet. I'm French, so it's within me to just go straight to the
0: silent T. Sidney you know? Lumet, as we would know as the the creator of one of my favorite films of all time uh network
1: network I don't think I've seen network have I
0: you haven't seen the film network I don't think so oh my god okay, well, to, did he make you'll
1: have to wait till me 12 angry Men? <laughs> uh I don't know I don't have his of the of the 15 filmographies I have called up for this episode that is not one of them okay <laughs> um yes yeah, so that was Sydney Lumet. um Anyway, uh, she comes in. Her neck is twisted. Her head was twisted around backwards, which she's now relocated, but is like clearly dead. Her skin is white. She's her fully, a are she is fully a places. corpse. Completely
0: fractured. She is fully a corpse.
1: And uh, Sidney Lumet comes in and is the doctor and gives her the look over and is like literally mortified in every sense of the word at what he's seeing. It's There's just no into his core. There's he, nothing. He
0: takes her temperature. It's eighty degrees.
1: Um, He uh, Is so freaked out by this That he
0: uh, After walking out of the room and like having Seemingly a mental breakdown Wait wait first first the funniest gag In that entire scene to me besides its Conclusion is that as he's like Casually, just, like, observing her, he reaches over to Bruce Willis to take his flask and just, like, half like, <laughs> yes. the flask. He starts drinking.
1: I couldn't remember <laughs> if it was that or if he pulled out a cigarette. I, I could not remember. No, he took
0: the flask. I thought that was so funny.
1: Um, so uh, he exits the room, and um, uh, in the next scene, as they're running, look, either looking for him or leaving the hospital room, Uh, you see a window into a different hospital ER room where a guy's on the table having like a full-fledged heart attack and dying and it's the doctor (laughs) (laughs) because he's so mortified he actually dies from having even seen (laughs) having even seen Meryl Streep um then uh, they take Meryl Streep down to the morgue, um, and Bruce Willis goes looking for her, and he goes, "Where is she?" And the like nurse tech is like, "They took her down to the morgue," and he goes, "The morgue? She'll be furious." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the you know the writer of this film um, is also a writer that. Uh, has done just '90s gold. I would say that this guy is probably one of the most important uh, screenwriters to ever come out of the '90s. His name is David Kep. Um, he has made some terrible movies, but he also wrote Jurassic Park, um, Secret Window, which I absolutely hate. Which I think he actually directed as well. The
0: Johnny Depp Secret Window. Yes, yeah, that is
1: horrible. Horrible. Um, he wrote the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds. Horrible. He is the director and writer of Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon, which I really liked.
0: I It was saw a very, in very the theaters dark. and I remember liking it, but I was a kid. I don't remember anything else about that movie. But that was a very I was on, good I was, horror movie. That was like Holland Hollow Man era bacon um, where he could do no wrong. He I mean, yeah, I mean that movie was great, uh, and Hollow Man. Um, yeah, I remember the commercials for Stir of Echoes were it chilling. Was, it's a a
1: genuinely terrifying movie, Stir of Echoes. Nice. Um, Mission Impossible One. Um, which I love And actually like apart from the entire Mission Impossible series Which I think is pretty much trite nonsense For the most part but I love the first one um, Just the style Of it and the vibe of it um, And obviously the director is a better director Than anybody who directed any of the movies after uh, He wrote Panic Room Which is oh, I love Panic Room. a fucking classic Love Panic Room um, he that's, re- one of, that's probably my favorite
0: Jodie Foster movie
1: it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that, but I will say that it is a fucking great movie. It's not better than Silence of the Lambs, but it is fantastic. Um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was written by David Kep. Um, Carlito's Way was written Ooh, by David Kep. All right. I'm a so big fan of
0: Carlito's Way. The dude not fucking crushes it. People.
1: Uh, recently, David Kep came out with a novel. His first novel in like 20 or 30 years of writing movies. That novel was called Cold Storage. Uh, lists, or I read it on uh, my trip down to Florida that I recently went on, and it was a perfect like beach book about like a contagion that escapes from underneath a mountain um, that threatens the world type of situation. But it was a mostly like sardonic and, and nihilistic and somewhat funny book. Uh, opposed nice. to like hard horror or sci-fi, so I enjoyed that. If anybody's big enough nerd to read that, um, I might read
0: that.
1: And I, um, I need I need a beach book for next week. Uh, the other thing that really lit me up about this movie was the music. I thought that the music was fantastic. The score was amazing. Um, it's always kind of been in my head that main theme of just like no 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 It's just the same like monotonous kind of spooky horror whimsical vibe. Yeah. The music was done by Alan Silvestri. Um, Now, of course, this is a -a mechathon, so I don't want to get too sidetracked, but this dude is also a fucking legend. Um, I knew Alan Silvestri's name from the Predator soundtrack. That one was always kind of really iconic to me Kind of like the Aliens soundtrack Where it was just like really cool military vibe Cool mystery sci-fi vibe mixed in Um, But this guy has made so many movie soundtracks Um, Some of them include Romancing the Stone uh, The Cat's Eye Back to the Future Trilogy Predator 1 and 2 Who Framed Roger Rabbit The Abyss Which by the way is the coolest movie Do you like The Abyss? Have you seen The Abyss? I haven't seen it Uh, it's like the most underrated James Cameron movie. Uh, the director's cut of it is the essential way to watch it. It is so fucking cool. Um, it's about like, um, people in a submarine slash environment of several buildings in the Mariana Trench, I think. And, um, it's kind of like proto-Terminator, proto-Aliens vibe. It just is an incredible movie. Kind of... Where he got the ability to make Titanic Because he did the whole movie underwater Really cool movie Um, And it's never been released on Blu-ray Which is very bizarre that James Cameron Hasn't mastered it Kind of always been waiting for that Um, Apparently it's supposed to happen this year though Anyway, Alan Silvestri um, Also made Father of the Brides Music, Fern Gully and did all the songs In there Super Mario Brothers Yeah, I love Father Father of the Bride. He's great Yeah Um, Forrest Gump, Richie Rich, Judge Dredd,
0: Sergeant Bilko. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just gonna skirt past Judge Dredd. The, the <laughs> I knew music for that movie it. rolls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like industrial hellscape music, dude. I love it. Okay, good. Uh we got another Sylvester. head. Rob um, Schneider in a trash can. What else do you need?
1: This guy this guy did every fucking movie from the nineties, man. Eraser,
0: volcano, contact, mouse hunt. Wait, wait w- Eraser? Is that the Schwarzenegger film? Yes. That was my favorite action movie as a kid. Really? Eraser of all movies. Yeah, I, that's bizarre. I loved it. With I the crocodile? On, the big yeah, CGI I that, crocodile? I have that on DVD. Awesome. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, Mouse Hunt, which I think is a really underrated movie. I I've know. watched Mouse Hunt recently, actually. Was it any good? I haven't seen it in years. I loved Did it.
0: Nathan Lane. Mwah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. dude, I
1: loved yeah. Mouse that Hunt when I was a cinematography kid. Cinematography is it. brilliant. It was very
0: brown and stylistic, and, and it like also like made you feel like small scale in relation to these. Larger gay men who were trying to. <laughs> <laughs> were they gay? Ex- exterminator. I it. They well, were I, like I mean, friends. I don't see Nathan Lane as a as a straight, as man. A straight man in, in any, any role. <laughs> Um, uh, Not that there's anything wrong with it The Parent Trap, Stuart
1: Little, Holy Man What Lies Beneath, Castaway, The Mummy Returns Holy Man, what
0: is Holy Man, is that Eddie Murphy? Yes, with Eddie Murphy Oh my god, Um, for sure I never would have thought of that movie for the rest of my life If you didn't just say that (laughs) And now we're
1: going to watch it No, I'm just kidding (laughs) I don't ever want to see that movie again, it was so bad Um Uh, Lilo and Stitch, Tomb Raider, Van Helsing, Polar Express, Night at the Museum, G.I. Joe 1 and 2, Captain America, The Avengers, Flight, Ready Player Uh, One, Avengers Affinity War, and Endgame. That's just uh, literally just to name a few. This dude has done three times that, but that is all that I'm going to tell you. I mean, I think that's like literally every movie made, so we're good.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that you included Eraser.
1: (laughs) Um... And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the writing, the cinema, cinematography, like we talked about, the guy from Jurassic Park, Zemeckis, my boy, my number one, my boo thing, my fucking dude with the same hairline as me. Um, uh, I just, uh, I fucking just love this movie. Um, I think it's time for Golden Gun Ratings. I, I surely have other notes, but... I think I've said enough It's okay. it's just a movie that is rich It's melodramatic, it's gorgeous It has creative cinematography uh, It's a satire of LA, actresses Vanity, growing old uh, It's a rumination on the price of vanity The pangs of jealousy And the horrors of uh, being a woman um, 10 out of 10 golden guns <laughs> 10 out of 10 fucking golden guns? <laughs> this is a perfect movie for
0: me Okay There's All not right, a single so. thing
1: that I could add Change or improve upon and I felt absolutely nothing lacked and uh, for what it was trying to achieve it is a 10 out of 10 like in film history maybe it's like a 7 realistically okay. but I think that what they were trying to go for was absolutely executed and I love the way it looked and it was like one of the least dated things you could ever see from 1992 and uh, the special effects still held up incredibly. Dude, there's a scene in this movie where Goldie Hawn falls out in the driveway and a car backs up at, like, 40 miles an hour and comes to a dead stop right next to her head. I had to literally, like, put this movie on my computer and rewatch the scene two or three times to even begin the remote. <laughs> to understand how they achieved that shot i have absolutely no idea um and still can only see a little evidence of compositing i really don't see much to suggest that the whole thing was green screened it is just no. an unbelievable movie no. um okay. shocked and surprised and delighted ten out of me. Ten. All right.
0: i got a uh, generally funny enjoyable dark comedy some dated ideas of femininity but what can you do Uh, Great vibe, phenomenal sets, score and effects. Cinematography was wacky and really engaging. However, kind of boring at points. Um, More more importantly, no character development. All of the characters are awful. No investment whatsoever (laughs) in what happens to any of them at the end of the movie where the two women fall fall apart. Like, I I just don't care because they're all despicable. Ernest is... A a ridiculous character. I would argue that's the point though. There's no reason for these women to love him to this degree and even if there was, he's all too ready to abandon them after A, trying to kill one of them and B, they both took eternal youth potions just for him so fuck him. Also absurd, (laughs) really absurd premise purely to be off the offset purely because old elderly Goldie Hawn is still infinitely more attractive than any form or age of Meryl Streep yeah wait wait can we hit the brakes for a second on this uh,
1: shredding I'm just wondering um, what your thoughts were in terms of who is the more attractive woman in this film Meryl Streep or Goldie Goldie Hawn Hawn. Old Goldie Hawn What what does old mean like before she took the potion you're talking about first iteration mark one Goldie Hawn when she's like wearing all brown and has a bowl cut in the first scene of the movie
0: Um, no, I'm talking about the, the... The book, the the,
1: the red dress book tour, Goldie Hawn. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call because Goldie Hawn's got this very, like, uh, plaster drunk Jessica Rabbit vibe that she's giving off in this movie, which is pretty hot in and of of itself. But I feel like Goldie Hawn's beauty was kind of like a very at-the-time vibe, and I think... Think I just am not attracted to the way she looks. I'm gonna give it to Meryl Streep
0: in this movie for being a fucking minx. I've never when she takes the youth potion. Me me neither. Me neither. Attraction to Meryl Streep. But if there
1: ever was a
0: circumstance, it surely was this film for me. Um, See, if I was Bruce Willis in this movie and Meryl Streep showed up with having taken this youth potion, I'd be like, all right. Well, like for one, I know you're horrible. As it is. I'm certainly not going to opt for you over Goldie Hawn, who is in every way, shape, or form, like a finer specimen of humanity. (laughs) So, Dan, uh, Um, do you have any other shreddings you'd like to offer? No, I I gave it a 7.6 Golden Gun. That's very
1: solid. That's way more than I thought you were going to give it. I thought you were going to do like a 6.3.
0: No, I enjoyed myself the whole time. I was happy I watched it. I'm glad. Like, I, I found it a very relaxing, like, end-of-evening film this to watch. This is me glad. <laughs> so I. <laughs> so I you just give it a 7.
1: Um, what was that again? I'm, a, I'm holding 6, a board, as you 7. can
0: 6. see.
1: 7.6. Dan's clocking it in at a 7.6. I'm going to go down to a, a 9.5 to reflect what I said in terms of, like, is this, like, the greatest movie of all time? Like, no, obviously not. But I think it's a delight and a treasure and a gem and all the things that an old Jewish woman would describe her grandson as. So I'm going to give it a 9.5. Beautiful. <laughs>
0: um, Dan, anything else you want to say about this film before we move on? I found the beginning of the movie to be paced, like, awfully slowly. But then I found the third act to be paced, like, exceptionally quickly. Right. Um, so... It, it's like one of those things where it's like I enjoyed every second that I was watching this movie. At no point did I want to turn it off. I was texting you because I was just like so pumped to finally be enjoying a movie that I was like <laughs> indifferent towards watching. But then there was <laughs> no like Well, I'm glad this happened like, though. My initial rating that I wrote down was eight point five based on pure enjoyment factor. And then when I went back and thought about it, like as like an amateur podcast movie critic, like I have to like look at the flaws of the film, and like there are flaws that are just glaring in terms of just like story arc and character development.
1: Fair, I mean the only de- the only character development I needed was Isabella Rosalini <laughs> naked in a pool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she
1: is so. We haven't even talked about her. She is so goddamn hot in this movie. Oh my god. Yeah. Um her body double was Catherine Bell from Jag. Have you ever seen have you ever seen Jag? <laughs> you of all people better say yes. I know who you're talking about, the main brunette
0: chick from Jag. No, I I have never seen I, I remember there was a show called Jag and I know that Jag stands for something, but I don't I don't remember. Um,
1: not until today did I read about and realize that that was not Isabella Rosalini's butt. So, uh, at this point, we're going to take a look at some of the other works of our man Zemeckis. Um, He's made some fucking movies, man.
0: Yeah, do you think it's like... Like, like, who, who who, are we targeting with this episode? Like, who the fuck cares about Robert Zemeckis anymore?
1: Well, that's the entire point of the episode. Uh, this is for people who have seen all these movies that are like, oh, wow, one guy did that? And their takeaway from two hours of podcasting, having to schedule with our wives, having to edit it, having to release it and pay for several websites to stream it, is, wow, that's an interesting fact. So that is the audience we are trying to reach. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who's interested in an interesting fact and talking about uh, movies that do get talked about a lot, but also are just incredible that they're made by one person. Um, I'm still echoing. I can hear some echoing. It's unfortunate. Dog barking and echoing. Right. Um. <clears throat> Dan, have you ever seen the movie *Romancing the Stone*?
0: No. Me
1: neither. All right. I'm Dan Lyons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the first uh, names on the list here is Romancing the Stone which I guess Dan's have never seen um, and so I have nothing to say about it but the cast list looks amazing and if it's anything like the rest of my man's Zemex career it slams and I've heard people <laughs> saying things about it many times I've heard the title many times but, I have um, too. I do not know much about it other than that, um, and therefore I'm not doing a good job. Uh, Dan and I have another movie to review um, during this uh, episode because both of us watched Robert Zemeckis movies um, this week that weren't Death Becomes Her, um, and we're going to talk about those, but unfortunately one of those was not Romancing the Stone, but I would like to add it to my list of personal movies to check out.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about, about me watching a movie. Um, And uh, after that,
1: in 1985, Zemeckis came out with Back to the Future, um, which he then followed up with in 89 and 90 with Back to the Future 2 and 3, which I actually just found out during the research for this episode— uh, was
0: shot at the same time consecutively. Yeah. I did not know that. I um, mean, how else would a movie have come out in eighty nine and ninety?
1: Well, I I understand that, but I wouldn't have known a that that was the case, and b uh, just solely based on the movie's the quality qualities. Disparity. Yeah, the quality yeah. disparity um, makes it seem like they made a second one, and
0: then we're like, ugh okay. Here, here, here. Let me, let me, let me solve this for you. Okay. Back to the Future 3 is not like a non-quality film. Back to the Future 3 is a movie that followed two movies that were like science fiction-y, had futuristic time travel, past time travel, all sorts of neat shit, visually stimulating. After that, you don't want the climax of the series to be on old timey trains. Thank you, Dan, for that like, weather report on oh, no, how not to fuck up your third movie. <laughs> no one wants to see Back to the Future take place in the Wild West it fucking betrays the entire vibe of the entire thing that we've been building here. Like, the second movie escalates it to such an absurd degree. We don't want to go back to the fucking Little House on the Prairie after that. I'm trying to see what happens in 4000 AD. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> I think further into the future would have been best yeah no let's go get ourselves trapped in the wild west the most boring time in American history tell that to where my you, abandoned Red Dead Redemption 2 account right yeah where you st- <laughs> if you stub your toe the wrong way like they're just like oh fuck you're gonna die in a week <coughs> I'm dying <Yeah. coughs> I'm fucking dying <coughs> it fucking shot me Is is that Tim Roth?
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, Then he came out with Death Becomes Her in 92, which is one year later. Um, And then... uh, Hold on. Okay, and then in 1994, he came out with what many people, I guess, would consider to be his masterpiece, Forrest Gump. Uh, Dan, what do you think of 1994's Forrest Gump? I think we should do, uh, like in cases like this, in, in the Stephen King e um we should be doing, instead of GGRs, like an RGGR, just like a rough golden gun rating. Um, <laughs> something okay. that if we did an actual episode on it, we may have to amend it, because I know that if I were to watch Forrest Gump right now, it would be very hard for me to rate it. Um Because I haven't seen it since I was younger And having seen it as a youth It was a mystifying experience But I feel like as an old, jaded, sad person it, It may yield a completely
0: different message than it ever did Yeah, so the first time I saw Forrest Gump Was probably in middle school And I was pretty enamored by it The second time was probably my senior year of high school I was a little bit less enamored by it I thought it was just fine Um, I'd say probably about two years ago I tried to throw it on and I was not feeling it at all. Huh. Um, I I don't know, it just it's it's very it feels very ham fisted. Obviously. And, um, yeah. I uh, Any I movie know. with JFK and AIDS in it is gonna
1: be pretty ham fisted.
0: Yeah. And like on the flip side it spawned a very hilarious scene in the movie Mafia with Jay Moore, where where Jay Moore flashbacks and it's a parody of of, of Forrest Gump and his like legs are all messed up but instead of having um, leg supports it's all just made up of kitchenware like spoons <laughs> <laughs> and he's running and they're just like run oh he's a florist and they're like run florist <laughs> and just like. Just dinnerware is just pouring off of him Until he can't run anymore Um, (laughs) Regardless I don't know, I I just, I don't care about Forrest Gump I think it's a movie that like It was one of those first Like very 90's turning point Of like we're gonna start like Really like caring about demographics That like no one cares about um, you like, know, they're like, like they're retarded. like, look, we, we got, we got the, we got the, the handicapped, we got, we got the, the veteran, <sighs> we got, uh um, He's everything. Yeah. Rolled like, yeah. So it, 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 just, it's, it's a little, it's, 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 just fucking boring. Like, I just don't care. Like, I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. Well, I, 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 I'm just indifferent towards it. Like there's no world where I'm going to sit down and watch Forrest Gump again in my life.
1: <laughs> so your RGGR for this would be indifferent. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I figure it's like if for people who want movies that are purely there to emotionally manipulate you, then like right. this is the fucking mecca. <laughs> like, this is the place to start. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't want movies that create such cynical premises, premises that are always ending up in a way that's romanticized. <laughs> I hear you, brother. So it's, Write that it's, on my tombstone It's just like a circle jerk of positivity That I can't subscribe to <laughs> um, like, like I don't, so You know what I don't want to see a person have that Many Substantially out of the ordinary Adversities to overcome And easily overcome every single one of them
1: Yeah, I, I hear you and, and while not even playing with a full deck either
0: Right, and like it, I feel like his, it's kind of like you know what it's like mildly offensive. Like
1: uh, I, I, I would like to liken it to another film that I know you've seen, Star Wars Episode One, where <laughs> where Jar Jar like single handedly wins the battle of Naboo by like tripping over things backwards and like right, saying right. like Obi Doopy and like flying over
0: <laughs> tanks. <laughs> Yeah, right, which which ultimately means that all of the events of uh, The Last Jedi would never have occurred if, like, hundreds of years earlier, Jar Jar Binks just wasn't, like, a clumsy minstrel show.
1: (laughs) Save that kind of talk for the East Boopdacular, you know what I mean? (laughs) Awful. That was awful. (laughs) I don't have to beep that or something (laughs) Um, Okay uh, How about the 1997 film uh, Contact which was his next uh, Effort Um, I'm going to start by first saying that This movie like truly changed my life Uh, Subsequently Reading the book uh, By Carl Sagan also completely changed my life Um, I did feel Disappointment uh, in this film um, In terms of Kind of where Jodie Foster ends up Uh, At the end, I think that that is just a fundamentally, even though they built in uh, like a fail safe where, you know, at the end you find out that the tape, even though it was blank, there's 18 hours of blank tape. Um, I think that does do a little bit towards uh, taking back some of the kind of expectation deflation that happens when you realize you're not going to see any aliens but there is a moment when she's in like the transportation pod at the end where she does see like the structures of an alien planet and like an alien city from orbit and I was like being in the movie theater and seeing that as a child was like going with Jodie Foster on that trip the immersion and level of Scale and scope uh, employed in the visuals and the setting and the vibe of that movie it is schmaltzy I, it, it is a little bit uh, leaning towards the Forrest Gump angle where it's just a little bit too incredible and a little bit too ridiculous at points but holy shit I love Contact so much uh,
0: it's not a perfect film but it's definitely like a 9.5 I um, I haven't seen it since high school easily so I just, I don't recall. I remember liking it quite a bit. I don't think there was ever a time where I, like, 9.5 level liked it. But, like, I feel like when I was younger, I felt it to be, like, in the 7, 8 range. Like, something, if I pass it on TV, I would always put, like, leave it on. I just, uh,
1: for me, that was, like, my kind of, and, and really a lot of this episode stems from my heyday being, Probably like 1993 Through 1997 Like I I have declared That your heyday is in the early 2000s um, mm. Which you know Might be something you disagree with but for me The most formative and important stuff That is good and bad that I cling on to Is really from The years of like 1992 or 3 to 97 Pretty much everything that happened I
0: mean I was busy being 2 or 3 Yeah
1: everything that happened in that period of time For me was just I was watching
0: Timmy the Tooth
1: Completely seminal and life changing And Contact was a movie that I saw like as a child In theaters and just was uh, Just never had my mind Blown like that Um so yeah, uh, I love that movie. Uh, everybody should see Contact, especially if you want to watch something about aliens. Um, I, I personally don't like that Hollywood has dropped into a never-ending valley where every movie that involve al- involves aliens needs to be uh, them ripping people's spines out and like being allergic to sound and like being fucking monsters yeah. with a thousand teeth. It just doesn't make sense. Um, If you understand like what it would take to reach The planet Earth from any alien Civilization after the amount of surveying that we've Done it doesn't make sense that anything But an extremely intelligent life form Would come here so like all the horror movies That yes I do enjoy like the movie Extraterrestrial uh, Is one in particular uh, movie That is a horror alien movie That that should be seen but other than that I think aliens kind of get a bad Rap (laughs)
0: Yeah Mars Um, attacks
1: no, I'm fine with that kind of thing because, like, even that, like that, is self-aware of itself. It's just right. really become a horror movie thing where every movie about aliens these days is horror, yeah. where it should yeah. be absolutely like psychological science fiction, cerebral yeah. ruminations
0: on your place There's in not the galaxy even an and, of like interacting with the aliens. Well,
1: I think Arrival goes a, a great distance towards kind of bridging that gap, and Arrival is a. A really incredible movie, but it, something about it keeps me from wanting to see it again and again, but I do think that, that is finally a movie in our generation that tries to address the alien thing from a point of view other than, like, let's shoot them in the head and, like, you know, get... Anally probed And like Our intestines ripped out I just I'm not interested in that There are things on earth That can do that to you I don't give a shit If an alien's gonna do that to you I'd rather See you know More interesting Thought out sci-fi And Contact I would say Is the king of Blockbuster Mainstream schlock Mixed with That uh, Sci-fi ideal That you find in like Close Encounters And shit like that So Big ups Contact I see you out there Probably making A couple dollars a year Through streaming Uh, The year 2000 happened then um, And our boy Zemeckis Dropped a double deuce He dropped two movies in the same year What Lies Beneath and Castaway Um, And those are the movies that Dan and I also watch uh, In our Zemeckis spectacular weekend, week. For me, it's been like a month and a half because I watched this movie for the podcast a month ago. We keep pushing the episode off because we thought it was probably going to be boring, which it has been. Um, Yeah. And uh, Dan, what did you think of Castaway, the movie that you watched from Zemeckis's hot streak in 2000? Loved it. I saw it in the theaters. Saw it. Schmaltzy? Um, Like, did did it hold up emotionally? Like, the journey is still very... Yeah, I think so. It's not like, uh, you know,
0: the emotional manipulation scale is not as... I, I think that the only thing you have to go in there trying to push out of your head is the way it's been, like, mocked to death since right. the movie came sure. out. Just, like, the whole Wilson thing. Like, like now <sighs> it's become it's, it's become a cultural meme for decades at this point, where it's like, for the first time I saw that movie, I was fucking heartbroken over that volleyball. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean,
1: the iconography of that movie, much like Titanic and movies like that, gets played to a point where it, it is a joke of itself at this point. It's it's the reason why I can't even watch certain movies from the past that are gaps in my filmography because I've seen them spoofed and goofed too many All times. Right. Like when everybody when we do like, "Oh, what's the scariest movie?" and everybody says the Exorcist, like I had seen 150 different spoofs of the Exorcist before ever actually watching the movie from front to back and it really deflated the experience of that somehow being like the most terrifying film.
0: My dad ordered The Exorcist for me in third grade on pay-per-view while my friend was over sleeping over and then he he left the house to go get us snacks Jesus and just Christ. left The Exorcist on and then showed back up to the house with flashlights like slamming on the windows like shining lights into the house just like fucking with us um <laughs> that's another very disturbing onion petal from
1: the blooming onion that is your life Dan <laughs> Um, uh, Zemeckis then got very obsessed with motion capture. He pretty much pioneered it um, and started making movies in it right away. Uh, Polar Express and Christmas Carol are two movies I have not seen because I'm Jewish. I have seen the Polar Express. What did you think of that? Was that like? It is- Horrible. Horrible. Okay. So he was trying this lifelike motion capture thing, he's been on the forefront just of
0: pushing that. Obscenely boring. It is just 2 hours and 15 minutes of like, look what we're able to do with computers now. What I will say is that um, while this
1: experiment was mostly a failure for most people in terms of Polar Express and Christmas Carol, in 2007 Zemeckis dropped Beowulf using the same technology. And I'm going to say that it is one of the most underrated animated movies ever. Any person who wants to see a hard R, badass, photorealistic Beowulf story with Crispin Glover playing Grendel and literally a dude doing like a backflip out of the ocean, ripping a 400-foot creature apart with his bare hands, then you should check this movie out. Uh, it is the fucking shit. Have you Chris, seen Beowulf, if, Day?
0: Crispin Glover plays the monster?
1: Yes, Okay. They, they motion captured him as the monster Angelina Jolie plays A very naked uh, uh, Who's Grendel's mother um, I don't know Grendel's mom, shout out um, And uh, the main Character is this incredible British actor Named Ray Something, what is his name? Ray Winestone, uh, he has one of the greatest Voices ever um, And it is just an Unbelievable movie Uh just a great action, horror, sci-fi, just visual mindfuck masterpiece. I, I, I don't know if it's out on 4K or Blu-ray, but if it ever gets to a point where there's like a really good version of it, I'm definitely going to buy it. I haven't seen it. Uh, and uh, Dan hasn't seen it, so maybe if you're bored and want to watch a cartoon, he uh, would throw that on. Um, and, you know, after that, Zemeckis kind of did a couple things that I, I didn't really care for, but looked pretty. Kind of interesting, like *Flight* with uh, Denzel Washington, which I thought was just okay, just because it was so dour. It's a hard movie to like love. Um, And The Walk, about the little gay French dude who walked between the Twin Towers, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I've not seen those movies, but they got good reviews. And, uh, no, I've seen Flight. It just was very sad. And, like, Denzel Washington was, like, taking pills the whole time and drinking. It was very depressing. Um, But the same kind of stuff that Zemeckis does in all of his movies are in those movies in terms of crazy boundary-pushing special effects and crazy camera work and shit like that uh, the last thing I wanted to say is just that he's also produced some movies that I really love I'm not going to go through a huge list but he's made House on Haunted Hill which you and I are obviously yeah. fans of 13 Ghosts which is an absolute really? slapper um, yeah. go- Ghost Ship
0: Don't which is kind of the,
1: the retarded brother of the last two movies yeah. um, although
0: the intro scene to Ghost Ship
1: is sick and then I'm going to go ahead and say two of the just the greatest movies ever. Uh, Matchstick Men, uh, directed by Ridley Ridley Scott, um, which is just one of the finest movies ever made. It's just an amazing movie. Um, Just recommended that to
0: someone last weekend.
1: And The Frighteners, which uh, is a Michael Fox-starring Peter Jackson movie of Lord of the Rings fame, which is something I know you've heard of. Um, And... uh, God damn, I love The Frighteners. Uh, It's got a lot of, like, first round CGI for the time but in terms of dark comedies uh, like really dark comedies and in terms of you want to see maybe uh, his, you know, Michael J. Fox's greatest uh, role besides Back to the Future The Frighteners, man. Awesome movie. Have you seen it? No. That's another movie you should put a little post-it note up about Um, and uh, other than that, Dan, I think that's about it. Do you have anything cool. you wanted to say about our Lord and Savior, Robert Zemeckis? Um
0: no, I mean he's got He's got he's got a visual style, that's for sure. He's just got like a a good sense of like en scene, like just like what to put in the shot to make right. it effective. Like Death Becomes Her, the sets were just like some of the some of the set pieces like, choices for little, like, ancillary furniture in the sets I found very amusing, which, obviously, there's someone whose entire job is that, but then it's his job to, like, decide how much of it to show and from what angle, and I just think it's always very hilarious.
1: Um, yeah, he's got the same vibe as, like, early 90s Sam Raimi, almost. Like, just that really (laughs) energetic, zany, but, like, incredibly conscious style.
0: Um, yeah. All right, uh, I think that's about it for now, my dude. Cool. Well, yeah. I look forward to seeing the drop off in statistics for this episode. Yeah, what are we going to watch to counteract this? Just Friends? <laughs> Glitter? <laughs> um, <laughs> Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium? The butterfly effect,
1: too. Well, uh, I do know that we are going to be watching some movies next week. Um, in the week after. For Stephen King. But. Okay. We got to pick some fucking garbage to counteract all this talking about good things. I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll come up with something. I mean, people want us to talk about I People do want us to talk about that. Maybe we'll chuck that in. <laughs> Velocipaster. Yeah. All right, people. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. man. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Baby.